0: Election College episode 92, Salmon P. Chase, the guy who really, 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 really wanted to be president, but never became president. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always... It's time for Election
1: College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith.
0: Hey Ben, I had some company in town this week, and as you know, and as many of our listeners know, I live in the greater Cincinnati area and better things to do when you live in greater Cincinnati than go to Grader's Ice Cream, Skyline Chili, and of course, Spring Grove Cemetery. I mean, that's what you do. You go to Spring Grove, you walk around. It's the nation's second largest cemetery, just short of Arlington, I believe. And it's a fantastic place, let me tell you. Because it's not <laughs> only just a bunch of headstones and angels from a hundred years ago, overlooking these graves and these huge mausoleums and things like that. But it's a fantastic place just to walk around and it's an arboretum as well. But anyway, I was walking around and alas, there was Salmon Portland Chase, the final resting place of his remains. And let me tell you, what a guy.
1: Yeah, and by the way, if you've never been to that cemetery, just some of the architecture there is pretty cool, uh, so you should try it out for that. But anyway, Salmon Chase, uh, he was born in Cornish, New Hampshire, way back in the early 1800s, and his parents died when he was only about nine years old, and so he really uh, had had nine other siblings and not a whole lot to go around for them all. So he uh, he kind of bounced back and forth, lived with his uncle at one point, who was a uh, Protestant
0: Episcopalian minister. Yeah, and for those of you wondering, his first name is pronounced Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, kind of like the fish, and most of us know that you don't say Salmon. And that was one question that I had was, when is your first name? Do you pronounce it Salmon or Salmon? And uh, after some research behind the name. It's actually a derivative of Solomon, but it is pronounced salmon. So if anybody wants to correct me on that or correct Ben on that, uh, go for it. But we're going to be calling him Salmon P. Chase. Salmon Portland Chase. Plus it just sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. Salmon Smith. Hey, maybe that's the next name you could use.
1: Ben. There you go. Uh, He went to Cincinnati College and then uh, shortly thereafter actually went to Dartmouth. And Dartmouth, you know, it's a pretty good school now. It was a pretty school, pretty good school then. Uh, After he graduated, he actually taught in Vermont and then moved to District of Columbia or as we know it, Washington,
0: D.C. So, while in d c he studies law under the u s Attorney General William Wirt and continues to teach and he's admitted to the bar in eighteen twenty nine Now, Chase moves to Cincinnati, Ohio, and he gains a position of prominence at the bar. He is an abolitionist lawyer, so remember that Chase is a big time abolitionist. And he lives out in the country, near present day Loveland, Ohio, and he publishes an annotated edition of The Laws of Ohio, which really was considered a standard. Salmon
1: got married to Catherine James Garmus, and in 1835, which is only a little under a year after they were married, she actually died. And this kind of really awoke Everything within Chase, he had a, a spiritual awakening, he had a redevotion to many causes that he was a part of, such as abolition, and and we'll keep talking about his presence in the abolition movement. But he worked with the American Sunday School Union, he be- began defending fugitive slaves, pretty much everybody around him was Southern and Southern business connected, and he, he was kind of an outsider in a world that was very much pro South and South interest.
0: Yeah. So keep in mind that even though Cincinnati was a Northern city, a lot of Southern commerce came through Cincinnati and you had many on either side of the slavery issue, taking up residency in the city. Other abolitionists who we all might know of would be Harriet Beecher Stowe and Calvin Stowe. There were other religious leaders who were very much opposed to slavery at the time. But as far as commerce goes, well, it was seen as good for the economy. And you had this war between the business interests and the religious morality. So the Fugitive Slave Law of 1793, I think we're all pretty
1: familiar with that. Basically, Chase is dubbed the Attorney General for Fugitive Slaves. And he didn't win a lot of friends, or at least not in the South, because he basically said, okay, so the federal government, they don't have the power to say that slavery is legal everywhere. So if a slave leaves somewhere where slavery is legal, it's no longer illegal for them to be free. Uh, So I hope that was at least somewhat coherent. But basically saying, if you're not in a state that practices slavery, or where slavery is legal you're not a slave. I don't care if you were a slave right before you left. I don't care if you if your master comes to get you. If it's illegal in that state,
0: it's illegal. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting because you had this issue of states' rights even, you know, several decades before the Civil War. You actually had it right from the beginning as we learned with Hamilton and Washington and Jefferson and all those guys. You had this unique perspective that Chase brought to the issue of states' rights, because what party traditionally was strong states' rights? Well, that was the Democrats. And you had the Northern Democrats who were not necessarily for slavery, and you had the spectrum within that. You you had people who said it should be tolerated or just leave it to the states or whatever, but it's a states' rights issue. Chase took this perspective of states' rights from a different perspective than just about everyone else at the time. And so you can imagine how opposed the Southern Democrats would be to this because they were using the issue of states' rights to champion their cause of pro-slavery.
1: So in 1840, Chase is running for the Cincinnati City Council, and he gets elected to the council as a member of the Whig Party. And then the very next year, Chase is like, I'm not a wig anymore. Uh, I, I'm done with that. <laughs> I think so think it's heavy
0: for about, and hot and powdery. Oh, that's a different kind of wig. Yeah, that's that was a terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a bad review because of that. Sorry, Ben.
1: For about seven years, he was the leader of the Liberty Party in Ohio. And the The thing with the Liberty Party is it had been mostly all heart up until this point, mostly and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but mostly people with a lot of gusto about things but not a lot of political thought put into it and so Chase really helps take that party from a bunch of wild people with great ideas to pragmatic political order, and Chase is really skilled in drafting letters, drafting addresses, giving speeches. And he, you know, kind of some of the Liberty Party's biggest documents and speeches and addresses he put together.
0: Yeah. So they weren't necessarily strong on their own, but definitely influential. And Chase led the effort to combine the Liberty Party with the barn burners. And The barn burners were those who were associated with our friend Marty, Marty Van Buren, uh, who was a Democrat from New York. And this combination of barn burners and Liberty Party members forms the Free Soil Party. Yeah, so Chase is
1: part of the Free Soil Party. He actually creates it, as Chase said, helps create it. And really, because of Chase being involved, Martin Van Buren becomes the nominee for president in 1848. See, look, we're already getting into the election stuff. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Chase gets elected to the U S Senate on the free of soil ticket. However, Chase is like, "Mm, I don't really need a new party organization to be happy, but I do kind of want to show the Northern Democrats what's up if, uh, if they don't oppose slavery. So I'm going to, you know, cause some waves and, and he's, starts doing that pretty pretty handily.
0: Yeah, so there he is. He's a senator and he is one of the biggest anti-slavery champions in in Congress really. He argues against the Compromise of 1850 and for those of you who may have forgotten what that is, that's the deal where you have this line across North America or across what would be the United States and the territories. And as we introduce new States into the union, who would be a free state who would be a slave state. Uh, After the passage of the Kansas Nebraska act and all the violence that occurred because of that, he cuts back his efforts to influence the Democrats and he becomes a leader in this new movement to, oppose the extension of slavery. And if you remember around this time, around the 1840s, 1850s, the Whig Party is just about gone. And there's a few people left who are like, hey, we are not Democrats. We don't have anything to do with Democrats. Let's do something else. And they help establish the Republican Party.
1: Yeah. So Chase is actually the first Republican governor of Ohio in 1855, which is great. But I mean, being the first Republican governor of Ohio isn't real hard when the Republicans were founded in like the 1850s in general. So anyway, uh, he, (laughs) he was a big time guy for women's rights and prison reform and public education all the way back in 1855. And uh, when 1860 rolls around, Chase actually tries to get the nomination for the Republicans. And really, he's like, if you think, oh, who's a Republican I know about? I know about uh, William Seward, and I know about Sam and Chase, because they're both anti-slavery. However, the problem is he, he doesn't really care for the uh, protective tariff, and most Republicans do. And the fact that he was able to collaborate with Democrats in the past, which oh no, you were able to to work together with another party. But a, a lot of uh, Republicans had been Whigs in the past. It didn't help him out, and he didn't end up getting the uh, the nomination.
0: Yeah, so Chase really big and popular in Ohio, but everywhere else not so much. And it is not a recent thing in American politics that you have your social issues. You have your economic issues, different policy issues. You're going to have disagreements. And which one is going to win out? Well, leave that to the voters. So Chase, very popular in Ohio, but Abraham Lincoln, popular in just about all of the other northern states. So Chase gets 49 votes, and Abe is like, ha, I got this. And... Lincoln's the man. However, Chase did get elected to the Senate as a Republican in 1860.
1: And so he like moves in, he gets his office set up, he kind of looks around, makes coffee. And then uh, Lincoln, the president, calls him and says, hey, you want to be the secretary of the treasury? And Chase is like, I'm out of here, guys. You have to get somebody else. (laughs)
0: It's funny to think about how cabinet members came to be members of the administration back in this time, because a lot of times the newly elected president had, if they had even met these cabinet members, it would be just very briefly. So Lincoln knew about Chase, but he didn't really know Mm -hmm. Chase. And hey, who better to have be in charge of the money than somebody that you don't know too well, right? (laughs) (laughs) So Chase comes in and he is now the secretary of the treasury. He's all about establishing a national banking system. He's all about paper money. He's all about putting his picture on the money because why not?
1: Yeah, and I mean, hey, if my picture's on the money, then maybe people will start to know who I am a little bit better, and someday maybe I'll want to run for president again. Maybe, just maybe, and it'll help me out.
0: Yeah, so some of the Chase detractors, which there were more than just a few, were like, dude, meaning dude, Abraham Lincoln, this guy is putting his face on the money, what's up with that, don't you feel threatened by him, and Lincoln is like, well... He's doing a good job. And <laughs> I know he doesn't agree with me on a lot of things, but he's doing a good job. Yeah. So part of
1: what Chase did in this position, and uh, he did a lot of good things and a lot of things that were difficult for the country because of the, the state that was in during the Civil War. But one of the things he did, in addition to putting his face on the paper, was just like use every possible thing he could to make himself – More desirable for office, and really, he's just like kind of trying to build up political support, and he tries to to pressure Abraham Lincoln multiple times by saying, "Hey, I'm going to resign. I'm going to resign. I I know you you have all these problems with the Radical Republicans, and if I resign, you're going to have a big issue." And uh, so he just kind of (laughs) keeps doing that until one day Lincoln's like, "All right, go ahead and resign." And they're like, "Oh, wait, wait! I'm I'm Sam and Chase. I didn't I didn't mean it. Like I was I was just doing what I always did to try and pressure you into doing something for me."
0: Yeah. So Lincoln totally calls Chase's bluff, and a whole series. We could probably have a, another episode about the eighteen sixty three eighteen sixty four election. How well we mentioned it on that episode, if you go back into the the archives and listen to that re-election for Lincoln, he was not expected to win in late 1863, early 1864. It was very questionable whether Lincoln was going to even make it to be the Republican nominee. And Chase was a big part of that. And, what do you say? He was doing a good job. Chase was doing a good job. And Lincoln calls his bluff.
1: So we've got these radical Republicans, right? And and part of the reason that Chase kept saying he was going to resign is because they would be irritated if he did, and it would cause Lincoln a whole bunch of problems. But after Lincoln gets the nomination, and after the Treasury is all set to go, it's like, all right, go ahead. But he still has the radical Republicans he's got to deal with. So he says, oh, you know, uh, Sam and Chase, he could be a potential Supreme Court nominee. And so when the next chief justice died, Lincoln actually says, hey, Chase, you're in. And he gets that nomination in December of 1864. The Senate, the very next day, they didn't make all these delays and everything, was <laughs> yeah. just like, hey, um, yeah, go ahead and do it. And so he, he serves for the next nine years.
0: Yeah. So pretty crazy stuff, right? He's there. He dies as the chief justice. He is very much opposed to slavery still. And this was quite a change because as you remember, as I hope you would remember, the Supreme Court was not necessarily in favor of abolishing slavery. And Chase really stood on the principles that he held to his entire life about being anti-slavery. So there were several court cases that Chase ruled in, and he stuck with those values. He also, interestingly enough, he presided at the impeachment trial of uh, President Johnson in 1868, and he ran for president again in 1868 as the Democratic nominee.
1: Yeah, so went from Democrat to Whig to like 15 other parties and then back to Democrat, right up until the end
0: of his life. And a lot of us have credit cards or bank accounts with Chase or JP Morgan Chase and Company. Yes, Chase is because of Salmon P. Chase, although he didn't have anything to do with the bank. They just decided hey, we like your name. And you're important to our financial system, so we're going to call our bank Chase.
1: I think there's some Illuminati stuff going on with Chase Bank because okay, so last episode was about Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr established something that eventually became j p. Morgan Chase. Salmon Chase is what j P. Morgan Chase is named after, and the next episode is about well, I'm going to go ahead and give it away, Tammany Hall. Which Aaron Burr was considered the first party leader of. So something's going on here with Aaron Burr just re- recurring in our nightmares, I think. Oh, um, man. Sorry, I don't know. I mean, I kind of did one of those draw a line on a napkin thing and figure it all out. And now I think I know the secret to the end of the world.
0: Oh, my goodness. I could have probably found something at the cemetery the other day. Yeah? I should have started digging.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm glad you didn't, though.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking of cemeteries and death and the fact that we reverted back to calling him Salmon, you know, it is Salmon. He dies in New York in 1873. He is interred at Oak Hill Cemetery in Washington, D.C. And then in October of 1886, they move his remains into Spring Grove Cemetery uh, where they are today. And if you ever have opportunity again, do check it out.
1: Absolutely, uh, a lot of different things within the the Supreme Court were established because of Chase. Some of the traditions that happen uh, after a member passes away uh, were established around the time of Chase. And uh, yeah, he just had a lot of a lot of stuff going on. If you happen to have a ten thousand dollar bill, uh, you know some some of those are still out there. They weren't all destroyed whenever they through them from circulation, you'll find salmon Chase's face on those, and uh if you've got any really old bills from the Civil War era, he's probably on those as well,
0: yeah, might be interesting to look up because there's only three hundred and thirty six of those ten thousand dollar bills that exist or that have not been returned to the government for destruction. I wonder if a ten thousand dollar bill is worth more than ten thousand dollars.
1: We could probably google it, but yeah, yeah. Why not? Why don't you guys do that if you have one? If you have a ten thousand dollar bill <laughs> here, let us know and we'll give you our address. We just want it for an episode, and we promise we'll send it right back.
0: Yeah, um, you have that copy machine still? Yeah, I think I have that. Is it okay that we've been talking Illuminati <laughs> and digging up stuff in graveyards and copying well, currency?
1: Just to try and bring someone else in on this, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Amazon.com. If you <laughs> shop on Amazon and you want to help out Ben and Jason and Election College, you can do so by visiting electioncollege.com slash Amazon. Just make the same purchases you normally make at the same prices you normally make them, and we will see a small cut of that.
0: Yeah, and something that is absolutely free is to head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It helps more people who are awesome and amazing just like you discover the podcast because hey let's face it in the world of news and politics and that whole category thing we're kind of small and it helps us get our material in front of more people when we get more reviews
1: we love interacting with you so hit us up on facebook twitter and instagram if you like and we'll say
0: hi yeah
1: all right i guess we'll see you next time
0: (laughs) let <laughs> see ya.